keeper into the left-hand corner. And Tilly, shaching for him, he's doubled his money and registered his second, the Don's second this evening. Puss comes in from the left-hand side, it goes beyond Davison. Bugil on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a brilliant finish by Omar Bugil. Oh, what a finish. It's in towards McLean. Oh, he's found the second goal for the Don's. It's absolutely incredible. Oh, it's a brilliant save from Nick Zanev. Tipped it wide, just when it was destined for the top right-hand corner. And it comes from Tilly, in towards the edge of the six-yard box. Post going up, and now it is headed in, and it is Ryan Johnson. Pell leaping, oh, and it's his first touch of the ball, and he's made it 2-0. Tilly, what a nonchalant bit of control as well, up against Milsom. Tilly now with a shot past the keeper. Oh, it's a superb goal. Hi, guys, it's Bassie here. Hi, I'm Omar McGill. Hi, I'm Terry Skiverton. Hi, I'm Hussein Biller. Hi, Bezo here. All right, lad. I'm Ali Hamadi. Hello, I'm Johnny Jackson, and you are listening to the official AFC Wimbledon podcast. Come on, you dons. Welcome, everybody, to the official AFC Wimbledon podcast. Back again with a special edition of the pod and a very special guest. This man, put simply, is a footballing icon. He came to us in the summer of 2014 as Neil Ardley's fourth signing of the window, ending a 14-month-long pursuit for his signature. Initially brought in to partner Matt Tubbs, he would go on to form one of the most formidable forward lines that this club has ever seen, working closely with Tom Elliott, Adi Aziz and a certain Lyle Taylor as the Don secured playoff victory to head into League One. His famous line, hit me up on WhatsApp, is one of the most memorable EFL moments out there. Speaking of the EFL, he received the Sir Tom Finney Award to represent his services to the beautiful game. He is the ultimate cult hero. 94 games, 23 massive goals, one man. His name is Adebayo Akinfenwa. Bayo, welcome to Plough Lane. Thank you for joining us. How are you, pal? Oh, yeah, I'm good. I ain't going to lie. Listen, I've sat down with many and many a podcast, and I think that was the best intro I've ever had, my brother. <laughs> so, bless you. As long as not, listen, I'm good. I'm good. It's it's nice to be back. We just had a tour, and boy, it's different from where the King's Meadow is different from there. But no, nah, man, it's good to be back. It's great to have you back. Um, tell us, how's retirement treating you? I ain't going to lie, man. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm really loving it. I think what happens is... When you're, listen, I had a 21-year career. And when I mean I got every ounce of football out of my career. So I left on my terms. So, listen, I'm loving it. Spending time with the kids. I ain't really liking the kids too much. But um, (laughs) spending more time with the kids and then just trying different ventures, which um, I'm loving. Let's get straight into the football. Your career took you to some interesting places. You started at Watford, headed to Lithuania, Wales, England. It was quite the journey, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, listen, I always say this, and I've said this on a plethora of times, that I think everybody's got an autobiography, everybody's got a story, everybody's got a journey. My journey took me to places um, that I never thought I would go, and experiences that I never thought I'd have to experience. But I do think everything happens for a reason, um, and it shaped the individual that you see before you. Um, and yeah, it was interesting. It was it was hard. Um but in the end, it was very rewarding. Tell me about coming to Wimbledon. Um, straight into it, I mean, I mentioned in the intro, Neil Ardley chased you for a long time. Was yeah. it good to be a wanted man? Yeah, I mean, listen, trust me, you know, I've, I've been at places or stages in my career when you're not wanted. So trust me, it's, it's so much better to be wanted. Um, but yeah, I remember I sat down with Ards, or he contacted me the year before. 
And I remember I wanted to play League One football at that time and AFC wasn't. So I went to Gillingham. And then I remember the, that Gillingham season, listen, we had a very good squad. Uh, we underachieved. And it was hard. It was, it was odds that made me kind of be like, yo, I want to play not only for Wimbledon, but for odds, just because I felt he was very upfront. He was, his energy was very, very just warming. And mm. what he wanted to try and build, I was like, yeah, you know what? I can play for this individual and I think he can get more out of my game, especially of where I was in my career. So, yeah, man, I remember we sat down and if I recall, we sat down at Nando's. Um, he definitely did his homework. Um, he paid as well. Uh, what did he buy you? Yeah, it, to be fair, like, because I, I knew he was a manager, I figured, don't let me order too, too much, you know, because <laughs> I thought he may want to run me off in pre-season and that. Um, but yeah, he got me like a, I think he got me a little quarter chicken. No, no, to be fair, I ordered a quarter chicken. Um, I still ordered chips because I was like, I'm getting chips. Um, but yeah, we've done that. We sat down and, you know, that's where we kind of sealed the deal. And then I signed for um, Wimbledon. I remember, I think one of my first press conferences, I said, I think that Wimbledon was, it, it, it was a good fit, myself and Wimbledon, <coughs> just because I thought like the journey Wimbledon had was obviously similar to mine, but it was a journey. Um, and I felt... Me, I had gone for a journey and I wasn't the typical player and I just think it married and, you know, at the end of my time here, that, that I think we did quite well, both of us. The club put out a press release saying that you had been brought in to, to work with Matt Tubbs. How did you get on with him and, and, and how was that partnership? Oh, man, Tubbs, he was a, he was a born finisher. Um, and I've always been, throughout my career, it, it was always partnerships. I was in the, the era where... You know, it wasn't really one up front. You know, you generally built partnerships. Um, and I'd just come from building a partnership with Cody McDonald, Cody McDonald, me and him. And, and I thought Tubbsy was similar to him in the sense where just finishers. Um, and yeah, I knew quickly that Tubbsy was a finisher. And I remember when we, we started the season and I don't think we scored much at the beginning of the season. And I remember when we kind of, I think one game, I think we won 3-0 and I think I scored two. It was my first two and he scored. And I remember Ards chat to me afterwards and he said, the manager said to him like, oh, you've got some strike force. But we hadn't, we, we didn't click prior as in not, we just didn't click on the pitch as a team. But I always knew he was a goal scorer. And then that was what it was. We always knew we could get goals. And then I think he, he left in January. Um, Were you disappointed when he left? <clears throat> Yeah, I, I was disappointed. I, not uh, disappointed. Disappointed. I guess a strong word. I just think whenever you lose your best players, you kind of like the team's weaker, um, and that's what it was. And then I remember the owner shifted from Tubbs being a goal, the goal scorer, to then I didn't having to score. I never had to have that, even though I always scored goals. But I never ever see myself as a prolific goal scorer, and Tubbsy was that. Um, so when he went, I knew the owner. Sh especially in that first season from January onwards, was like, oh, now I'm going to have to kind of score goals. Which, listen, I, I ain't got a problem with putting any sort of pressure on my shoulders. But that's what I knew when he left in Jan. I was like, oh, <coughs> you're going to have to score goals. Right. I'm going to race through the career side of things because we have got so many fan questions and I want to cram in yeah, as yeah. many of them as, cool. as possible. When you arrived at King's Meadow, tell me about the dressing room you found because there were some big characters in there, Barry Fuller, Danny Bullman, who, who's been on this podcast, George Franken was there, Sean Rigg, young Adi Aziz knocking around, some players who go on to do some really good things at yeah, this yeah. football club. But what was the dynamic like in the dressing room? 
Um, listen, it was cool from the get go. Like, I, I listen, I'd known Baz, so I'd known Baz from Gillingham. So, and me and Baz connected, so we're very strong personalities, strong characters, and we we already connected from Jill's. So, and I, I think at that point, listen, I'm a product of the EFL, so I'd come across these players throughout my career, and and, I, and one thing I've I've known about myself, I'm a big personality. You know, I have a big presence. <clears throat> but then also what I do know is um, I love a team dynamic. I, I don't care how big you are, I don't care how strong or fast, <clears throat> excuse me, you can't do anything by yourself. And i would known that like from back in the day. So going in there, even though I knew I was a big presence, it was a big presence to be able to say, we're all going to have to work and come together. So the changing room was cool. I, listen, for, I can only take from my point of view, like I remember um, we had Callum Kennedy. When I'm talking about when everything just fit, I mean, it started even like me, I was a gym goer. So for people that <coughs> may not believe it, I used to actually get in early. Like that changed as I got like later on in my career. But <laughs> I used to get in early to training and you'd, you'd see there'd be three or four in the gym before training. Then all of a sudden it was six or seven in the gym, then eight or nine. And then all of a sudden you'll have like 18 men in the gym working out before playing tunes, stretching, doing weights. And it was, that was just the changing room. The changing room was just, it was solid from the get go. And then listen, it, it only got, it only got stronger. Did you feel that with your personality, you could add influence? And I'm gonna come onto this in a bit, a bit more deeper. Um, when I mention one word, I'm expecting you to go mad, but did you feel you could add influence? You could have that positive effect. You could say, right, boys, I'm going to the gym. Whoever's following me, follow me, let's roll. Yeah, I, listen, I, again, I'll always say I was very much aware of my presence and my influence. I was very much aware of that. What I would say was, it was never a fact where it was, come and do this. It, 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 it wasn't that, it was what, and, and this is why I, I say about things mirroring up and just clicking. It was, you didn't want to get left behind and that was the characters we had. So when three or four went in there, it wasn't even like, oh, I'm going in the gym, follow me. It was literally like, oh, okay, these individuals are going into the gym. So why am I then sitting in the changing room? And then that's what it was. So, but for myself, I was very aware of it, but I didn't have to. I didn't have to tell, listen, come, come follow me to the gym. It was the fact where it was, oh, these people are trying to do things right. And then all of a sudden it just became, like I say, footballs where creatures of habit. And then it just becomes like, ah, oh, nah, man, this is what we're gonna do before training and then after training. And then, listen, it can only build. If you do that, it can only, in my opinion, only go one way. The league campaign that year was unspectacular. We finished 15th and I'll go on and ask you a question about that in a moment. But tell me about walking out of Kings Meadow and scoring against your beloved Liverpool. Yeah, you know what, I still, <coughs> when I say, I say there's defining moments in careers or like in mine, I remember the lead up, it was, I remember just getting interviews, 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 and it just, oh, you're a Liverpool supporter. And of course, I was a big character at the time as well, but it was just interviews, interviews, interviews. And I remember just thinking, rah, man, like, well, we're playing against Liverpool. And I remember, I think I got injured prior to the lead up and I was like I really don't care like and, and I'll say this and I hope people can understand it um, at least I'm old enough now <coughs> that there's selfish moments that I think players have to kind of take not have but will I was going to 
limp out to play against Liverpool, you know, and I think that was a fix. That was a moment where, and I remember Ards was saying it, he was like, look, you know, you're going to have to try and control the expectations because we still had a league campaign that we had to focus on. Mm. But listen, I... The, I, I, I would like people to understand that but it's a premiership team it was my team so I remember thinking it doesn't matter what I'm going to be out there playing um, but listen luckily I, I, I did get back fit um, and I, would, I do remember we lined up at King's Meadow and was about to walk out and I remember looking at all the Liverpool players I mean it was Skirt Skirt all Henderson Saka, Sacco and I was like Right, these boys are some big boys. Like, there was the first thing I was thinking, right, these men are some athletes. I kid you not, the first thing I'm doing, I'm running straight for Skirtle's chest. I don't care if I'm winning the ball or not. I'm, and that was the first thing. Let I him know thought. you're there. I, it was the first thing. I, I must have got <coughs> 17 fouls in the first 15 minutes. Because in my mind, I'm like, yo, <laughs> he gonna know what I'm about. Um, and then I remember, listen, I, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I remember for 20 minutes, we gave them so much respect. We tried to play them like we was in the same league as them. And it's like, it was like, we wasn't trying to rough them up. We wasn't like, and it was like, so I remember then after Gerard just, I, in my mind, I just feel like he got bored and said, I'm going to go score. So he made it 1-0. And then after 20 minutes into the game, we all of a sudden, we started to be like, nah, man, like, I've, like this, if this is going to be our only chance, let's take it to them. And I remember, I remember scoring the goal. And I remember it's the only time in my career for the first three seconds, I just didn't know what to do. I was thinking, oh shit. Like, oh, sorry. I remember, <laughs> I remember what do I do? And then I remember running off to the corner. And then I remember me and Cal did this little dance that we done. But it was amazing. And I remember after that, it kind of took me to another level in the sense of people knowing my name. Because I think it was the first time the FA Cup was on TV. And I remember it took over EastEnders. So a lot of people that would plan to watch EastEnders ended up watching the game. And I remember they switched on the TV and I was like, well, who's this 17 stone player running around and just knocking over players? And I remember just getting viral on tweets. And I remember we lost the game and I remember doing ITV News. And anybody from London, when you do ITV News, you're like, oh, everybody watches the news. And I, was, I think to myself, what do they want me to come on TV for? Like, we lost, what am I gonna... But that was the, the moment when I was like, oh, like people outside the EFL kind of knew who I was. So, no, I mean, it was a good moment for myself. Nerds like me obviously knew all about you and, yeah. and you know, enjoyed watching you play. <coughs> My question to you is, is that did you thrive upon that added, I want to call it fame because it is fame. Did you thrive on the fame? Did you, was it pressure? Was did you? Uh, no, nah, man. I, listen, I thrived on the fact of, I remember people always saying, ah, uh, this guy can't play ball. I, I thrived on that. I thrived on the fact where I was like, I don't care how I'm built, I can play this game of football. So that's what it was. I'd go on the, I'd go out and listen, I know I'm not built like a footballer. This is not me thinking in my head, oh, I'm built like this, like I'm running like that. No, I know I'm not built like football. I, I, I see people in the change room. But what I also knew was I knew I could play this game. So I thrived on the fact of going out and doing something that from a five-year-old I loved to do and was good at it. So, listen, the fame bit of it, I started to navigate it better. So all of a sudden, it was a lot more people who wasn't into, into football knew about me. And that was the bit that I then was like, oh, right, you know what? A lot more people, I'm walking down the street and people who are not 
in League Two know about <coughs> me. And then all of a sudden, Sky started to take more notice on me. And then, of course, you re realise how big the platform Sky is. So I started to realise, oh, I'm reaching pl places that I'd never reached before. And people started to know me. So I was navigating that. But on the football pitch, and I'll always say this to individuals, it didn't matter what I was doing outside. It didn't matter how much people knew about me. Whenever it came to game day, I was a footballer. I wanted to win. I was a competitor. So, and that's where it always came back to. I thrived on, listen, trying to be the best version of myself. It never always happened that way. But that was my thrive, going out there constantly and continue to say, B, you can play this game. So go and show you can play this game. And that's what I enjoyed. B, when I say this word, and I ask this question, I want you to take time to think about your answer. Really think about it and then tell me. When I say the word wolf pack to you, what does it mean? Look, yeah, I, I think sometimes, I don't think I'll ever be able to put the word wolf pack into words that means enough of what the, that emotion was, right? And I say this, I'm very, very close with the person who brought that wolf pack statement and energy. So Darius, Darius Charles country, right? And he had this, and he just came through and he dropped this wolf pack state. He was like, yo. And like, the worst thing is, I keep telling him, when I'm old, I'm, he's like, the the pack, the something, something of the pack, and the pack is something, something. And I remember him saying that. And anybody that knows me, I love films. I love films, so, you know, the, um, Remember the Titans, you know, Any Given Sunday, you know, all of like these films where you're just being inspired by words, I'm all for it. So, so Darius come through and he came in and said, yo, we are a wolf pack. This is what we are, right? If I could bottle that and continue to let people feel that energy. That was what we got promoted for. I say this to him, he keeps trying to be humble. And for everybody else that goes on like, you know, and us forwards, Lyle Taylor, myself, Tom Elliott, Aziz, all these attacking players that was on the top end of the pitch where he generally gets the exposure. Darius was the reason we got promoted. He was that missing piece to that jigsaw. He came in and when I mean united us, but we was going out, and when I mean Wolfpack, that's what we, we was hunting down. You were doing like, jobs on people. Like, it, it, like, when I say, like, so I wanna, so when you when you think of a Wolfpack, right, and, he, and this was the analogy, and I remember we was on, we watched the Jungle Book. Like, we watched the Jungle Book on the back of, we was on the way back from a game, I had a laptop, and I was watching the Jungle Book. And um, so Darius was sitting beside, and. He, he, this is where he said it. He said the wolf pack and he said this that, that line. And it was then a way of, but we was hunting down points. We was hunting down tackles. We was hunting down goals. We was hunting down a togetherness. So literally the wolf pack, uh, it, it's, it's such a definitive moment and essential moment to the process of what we was able to, to achieve. I keep saying, I keep paying him homage because he did the same thing at Wickham. So that's why it related so much to me. But that was the beginning point of that. Tell me about that summer because finishing 15th, you said yourself, you want to play League One football. Yeah. Must have been a huge disappointment. But the window was, 
incredible. You look at the names he brought in and the players, the, the calibre of the player, John Meads, who was, who was brilliant until yeah. he had to retire. Barchi, one of my favourite Wimbledon moments is just that tight picture at Kingsman. I've seen him flying down the left. Yeah, I... Tom Elliott comes in. Robbo comes in. Uh, you know, we've got Keller Roos who comes in uh, after January uh, in goal. Darius, as you mentioned, comes in. And a certain Lyle Taylor. Yeah. Tell me about playing and forming that front line because you guys as a four, and we've got to include Adi Aziz in this, yeah. you guys as a four were formidable. What a, what a dangerous front line. You know, you know the thing is, and that's odds has to take so much credit, right? Because... He all them names. Barchi for me is life's great guys. Yeah. He's I and he had the Barchi he had the Barchi shuffle and he had the Barchi dink to the back stick, which was just food for me. It was it, it was just food. And but all the names you play put in, like they were all a certain aspect of characters as well. And so ability-wise, they they took us to I would have Part of me, I think that squad stick together, stay together in League One. It's a problem in League One, but everything happens for a reason. But even that season, so this is to be fair, I've spoke about this. Um, so the start of that new season, he brings all these players. Barrios comes in later, and Keller comes in later. Mm. But other than that, he he brought in so. <clears throat> I remember I start the season, so I'm starting, and I think it's me and Lowell. So me and Lowell starting the season, so we because there's four good strikers, and I remember so because I was there last season, I'm like, okay, cool, this is I'm gonna lead this team, I'm gonna lead this team, and I remember and I, I said this to Ards and to people I've spoken it, we got to Christmas, and we were still indifferent, so we was in we was in indifferent. We played Cambridge away. And I think we whooped Cambridge 4-2. Four, four four two. John right. Meade scored a banger. Just it was and you know the funny thing is, up until then, I hadn't I hadn't found my form. So I was running on the season before's form, right? But that game I was like, okay, you know what? It took me longer than what I should have, but I'm finding my feet. But at that point, Tom was doing bits. He was just doing bits, coming on in training, and we had different strengths. He could run way more than me, taller than me, and when he was aggressive, when he put it all together, Tom Elliott was a problem, right? So I remember after that game, we won 4-2, and I remember Arch pulled me in and said, you're not playing the next game, so I'm running towards Christmas, and I'm thinking, rah, brother, I'm just finding my feet. I know you gave me, but I'm finding my feet, let me, and then... And this is why I say Ards needs to take a lot of credit for it because he saw that Tom and Lal were just forming this bad boy. Well, Lal, Lal always gets upset because he was pushed out on the wing, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he had to, it was like, Lal, go over there. <laughs> go over there. Lyle. To get 23 but, goals on the wing, though. Listen, hey. This is what I'm saying. So Ards has to get credit for it. Lal wants to move where he wants to move because Lal can read the game where he wants to move. But he had to be able to play within the formation. And he did it to get them goals from where, and that just shows of the, the talent Lau had. But, so that's what I'm saying, Ard saw that combination working. And I remember, like, I, mean, I was a grown-ass man at this time, but I remember my ego took a battering. I remember for three months, I was bitching. 
hard. And I remember telling, I tell these young boys, I remember telling Ali this, I tell these young boys, right? Do you know how much energy you've got to waste or it takes to come in purposely angry? So I'd be coming into training, I'd be in my car and I'd be driving in, I'd be listening to music. And as soon as I get into training, I'd be like, oh man, I'm not starting. So I just automatically shift my mindset from being cool going in to shifting it. So I remember for yeah, maybe three months, three months just sounds bad, maybe it wasn't that long, but I remember just being in my feelings. Um, but when I say everything happens for a reason, that team that played, and then of course me and as Aziz was, we were not back up, but we was whenever we needed to change, we came in and that powerful four was just, to me as a four, there, there weren't a better four in the league. No. Like there wasn't a better, just there just wasn't a better four in the league. And then when we made it to the playoffs, listen, I, I won't even sugarcoat it. When we made it to the playoffs, you know, and some players will tell you, we knew it was getting promoted. We just knew we was getting promoted. And boy, do you know what I'm saying? When they say the rest is history, <clears throat> we was proven right. Tell me about that Tom Beer goal against Accrington first leg, 93rd minute. What a time to score yeah. a goal and give us the best possible start to head up north with. I mean, the noise when it went in was incredible. Best, that's the best, that's one of the best feelings or best moments I had at. And it wasn't even me directly. I just remember we played Aki and everybody's got a team I enjoy playing against Accrington. So I knew when we got them, I ain't gonna lie, I knew when we got them, we was beating them. Over two legs, we was beating them. And I remember I came on, um, I don't know if I come on with Tom, but I remember I coming on and I remember it was down, me and Baz, and then, anyway, Tom, and I just, I just remember going in one nil up when he scored. I, I don't even think I celebrated with him, I think I celebrated with Baz. I think I ran to Baz and grabbed him, and it was just a moment. When you're talking about deafening noise, it was just a moment. It was like, yeah, step one, half time, one new up. Now let's go down to there and then take them. Um, but, and, and there was just a, listen, there was just a togetherness that it didn't matter what got thrown our way, literally. And I remember we went down there and they just started on fire. They just, I remember, I think they went two new up. Pierre Mingoya, yeah, what a goal. Yeah, I think one of the, he scored a bad boy goal. Banger. Just a bad boy Josh, goal. It was Josh Windass and then yeah, Mingoya, wasn't it? that's what it is. It went two new up. And I remember, I think I came on at half time. I think I come on at half time. I've been, oh, just like, you're going on at half time. You did, for um, Tom. For Tom. Um, I, 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 that that game will forever sort of live long in my memory because it was my cousin's engagement. And I'm sat at his house and I'm watching the TV, I'm watching the football, and everyone's like, yo, what are you doing? I'm just like, yeah, yo, yeah. You, you guys enjoy it, yeah, yeah, I'm watching yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And anything that could have happened did happen. Yeah. And we were talking about it, in the, it downstairs yeah. when, when we walk around. Baby, when the lights go out, yeah, the lights yeah, yeah. going out, you know, everything in darkness, you wearing that beautiful watermelon kit, oh, which you look green. great in. I look like the Jolly Green Giant in that. It looks silky. And all I remember is there's there a moment where you come on and there's however many players around you and you've brought the ball down and you've hit it so hard. And it's one of my favorite things because I, you know, you just saw how much you wanted it. You've hit it so hard, it's hit the post. The keeper has, has got scared. I don't want to say like they've shit themselves, but they have shit. The keeper shit himself and he's looking around as if to say, where's the rebound going? Cause it's knocked me out. And do you know what? You had this moment of rage. Yeah. Do you know which, what I'm talking about? Yeah. There was a moment of rage. It was the first game though. 
That's the first game. See, I can't remember that. I can remember the first game I hit in the post. I come on, hit the post, and then I... You had this rage, was, and you've literally got like that, and all this sweat just dripped off. Yeah, you. I'm sure that I, if listen, unless I got it wrong, it was the first game. Okay. Yeah, it was the first game. I, came I just, on. I, all I can see is when people ask me who I remember in that green kit, or say, yeah, you see, but that, see, because that was another one, but it was that. It was, and I just want to get into, um, and I want to say something about that, right? Because, and I always say in life, in it, life's to be inspired and to inspire, right? And I remember saying and uh, uh, listen i've gone past that bitching moment i've gone where listen it's it's not about you it's about the team and that's what i'm saying i I'd got to terms with how functional this team was so i remember when i came on i'm like i'm gonna do my utmost to try and better this team to try and stamp my authority on this team so when you said the rage at that so i come on at nil nil and it was the ball came on the diag i put it on my chest the guy came and I remember knocking him to the side. And on the turn, you, You've literally, yeah, you, was, it's like you've it just was, opened up. It, your... was, it was a built of, not even frustrated, it was, yo, I'm going to have to do my part because what this team's done to this part. And that's what it was. It was like, I remember when I come into the playoffs, and this is why for myself, I can only say this, yeah. this is, I was like, oh man, for, for three months, I was bitching. And look how well this team's done. Bruv, you now got to do your part to this. So, they ran themselves in the ground. They've got us to this playoffs. So, bub, do all you can. So, when you say that rage bit, it was just at a point where I wanted to help this team. You so love Hulk. It was, it was, but that's what it the was. The Hulk in pinstripe. It was, it was just, and this for me, that's why I'll always say this changing room, but if you can bottle it up, it was something. And I, I said this what I learned or what I experienced at this changing room, I then took to Wickham. At what point did you know that you would be leaving Wimbledon? Um, listen, as a player, you you always get a sense of what am I going to get another year? That's what it was. So I won't play in as much as I would like to through the season, right? So then it was like, okay, cool. Tom and Lau were the front runners and they were they had years left on their contract. Where I knew I was gone, where it was was the week before the final. And look, what I want to say here, right? Odds sat me down the week before the final and informed me I wasn't going to get another contract. So he informed me I wasn't going to get another contract and said, look, B, I don't want no distractions from the game. So Let's keep that between us. I said, no problem. Like, I said, no problem. I don't know how, but, and and I would say if I did, because I'm retired, it, somehow it got out. So the papers got wind that I wasn't going to get another contract. And what, this is what I want to say now, right? I guess, I, I know hindsight's always a beautiful thing, but it was the right decision for me to move on at that time. And I remember years, the year afterwards, I think when I started scoring at Wickham, the question was asked to odds. It was like, you know, you let me go, you know, and two things came out of it. It's the first one, which I think was right. Uh, he, he came out and said, look, Tom Elliott got, I think, 16 or 17 goals the next season. And he felt that me being there, it wouldn't allowed him to be as comfortable and take the reins of him being the big guy. 
because there was always an element of if you've got two big guys, it always happens if you've got two big guys and the first big guy is not doing it, you're just going to look to the butt guy on the bench and maybe not give him time to be able to say, okay, well, turn the game around or find your feet. And that's what Ards felt. Ards felt like, look, B's here, he's 34 at the time. Like, I want Tom to know he's the main guy, as in the main big guy. There was Lyle there. And he, and he, and he said that. And for me, it was right, because Tom went on and scored X amount of goals the next season. What I didn't like was the fact where he then tried to say that he gave me the option. There was no option. He told me, B, there's no contract. How, how did you feel when he told you that? Like, genuinely, like, what, I mean, give me the raw sort of emotion. Look, listen, anybody that says it's nice to hear you're not wanted, it's a lie. I don't care. Like, even if you have got to a point when you're ready to leave, you still want to leave being wanted. You ask the question, how was it felt when you're being chased and people want you? It's a beautiful feeling. To go from that to that, though, yeah, I mean, inside I, I, two years. Yeah, but listen, for me, one thing I'd say, and what people should understand, one, I'm 34. So I'm not, I'm not young. You know what I'm saying? If I, and I'll be honest, I thought... I was going to retire at 36. So that means that's two years left of my career. And then also, I always think as a shelf life, strikers normally really only do two years at the year, generally anyway. So the big, the, the being wanted and not, we had kind of, and like I said here, as a manager, I guess a manager's job is to be able to say, all right, I've got to think, Let if we do get to League One, and B's not playing, I've got to manage his expectations. I've got to manage his character. So there's all things for me which comes into play, which that's what a manager does. And I think when you're of age, you then kind of take that. After you, and this is what I said, even in that season, I had gone through growth within myself. I'd gone through where I was like, wow, I just found my form at the Cambridge game and now I'm not playing. So then I was in my feelings for a period of time. And then you're like, but oh, you know how long, you know how much energy you waste on being in your feelings. You can only control what you want to control. Then you then think, all right, well, listen, if, I can't, if I'm not going to play here and I've only got two years left, go to where you're going to play to get as many games as you can before you retire. That's what I think a footballer, well, me anyway, I think you then put into a whole process and then you come out with where you end up coming out with. Do you think... Neil Ardley was, and intimidated's not the right word, do you think that your influence in the dressing room maybe was a bit too much for him? Do you think that he maybe looked at it and thought, I, I sit and I look at how you were at Wickham, where, yeah. where, where Gareth Ainsworth basically says, you're a general. Yeah. You, and Gareth Ainsworth is like that. He loves generals in the dressing yeah. room. Yeah. He loves having people run the dressing room for him. Do you think Neil Ardley thought, Maybe there's a bit too much influence there. Maybe there's someone there yeah. whose whose who's personality is so big that it's kind of overtaking what I'm trying to do. I, I think in the sense where I think Ards looked at it and said, you know what, if as a manager I'm looking at the bench and what wondering what's B thinking or am I going to make a decision to make B happy or not, I think no manager should be in that position at all. And I think it got to that. I think it got to a point where Ards was like, boy, if B goes off, he, we're all going to know he's pissed. And, and I'll always say, if somebody is, you don't want... And I'm, listen, I'm not a bad egg, far from it. But I am an emotional individual. So there's no two ways about it. And I'm not... I will speak my mind. And, and, and this is what I keep saying. Good managers 
one have to manage characters good bad or indifferent and one thing i would say odds man management was good you know like we had the way he managed low and integrated low within our squad and the characters it was good there's no two ways about it like what was mad is though lyle was lyle was a bit of an enigma in the sense of he couldn't find a home yeah. as a footballer he'd been to so many clubs yeah. and he couldn't find a home but this football club gave him a home and everyone knows how much he he loves this football club he yeah. adores this football club now this place gave him a home and we've got like whilst on one hand we give or you know with regards to odds and we say well you know maybe your personality was too much or or you know the the influence is too much We've also got to get, give credit and say, right, well, he gave Lars Heller a home and he got the best out of Lars. Lars scored 23 goals that season. Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't... It, you know what? It's, and I always say, everybody's got an opinion. And I remember when I left, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of, oh, this and that. And, and for me, more than anything, I'd always say, well, you live and die by your decisions. The decision was right. Lars scored goals the next season. Tom Elliott scored goals the next season. There was no... and. As an individual, I look at it now and I went to Wickham and learned. Even at 34, in six years, I grew even more. Whereas sometimes you feel like, oh, nah, man, I'm 34, I know it, I'm an, I'm an experienced pro. Nah, man, I had stuff to learn, you know, in that. So, like, and this is why I say that the credit for Lyle, Lyle had temperaments that we all in the change room had to learn and had to deal with. I've got a headlock for Lyle. Like, when Lyle gets out of term, I've got a little headlock for him. He knows this. You know? <laughs> there are no two ways about it. He knows this. But, and I remember, we had this thing. We had this thing before every game. It was, Lyle, go walk on water. That's how good you can be. Go walk on water. You know, that was, it was just me and him. As a strike partner, Lyle, go walk on water. Because when you're on it, it's a problem. Go walk on water. And, but then, of course, Lau at times would fall into that petulant and that and the way Ards managed that it was and I, and I think there was an element one time <laughs> I ain't gonna tell this story but there was one time Ards called us in like he was the school teacher so me and Lau caught up and I was like look Lau bruv I'm going through something you just stay over there because I stay over here because it's going to be a problematic, right? <laughs> so we didn't talk for the day and Lyle didn't like that. So because my presence is my presence. So if I'm not chatting to you, you know, because I'm a ch I just, you hear me before you see me, you know, that's the kind of person. So if I'm not chatting to you, it's a problem. That's how I feel. So I weren't chatting to Lyle. I was like, listen, we're not Bridget, stay over there. And I remember Art called us in the meeting. I sat here, he sat there and then, Lars um, was like the head teacher and I remember sitting there thinking but I'm still in school I'm 34 people so I was like but I'm in school and one thing is with me right I don't like anybody saying things just because somebody said it mm. so after Ars spoke I was like look Ars I beg you're going to have me and him's going to have to have this we can't have this conversation with you because if we have this conversation for me this conversation has been made by you I don't think it'll be authentic and, authentic and we won't be able to get past this because you orchestrated this. So I've gone, Arch, you're going to have to bounce and me and him's going to have to chat. So Arch left. And what I'd say, he facilitated that because I wouldn't have sat down with him at that point. But he left and we conversated. And what I would say is, like I said, I'm a very, I'm an opinionated person. So 
if it got to a point, Arnold had to make a decision. Is B going to play? If we get promoted, is B going to play? Is he going to play enough to satisfy his hunger? He made the decision, no. And this was prior. And this was prior. To be fair, I actually, and that's why when I'd done the, when I'd done the, hit me up on WhatsApp, I had known, he had told me, he's like, yo, you, you haven't got a contract. T tell me about Wembley, because it must have been bittersweet, the fact that you had wanted to play League One football for so long, you achieved it, but you were leaving. I mean, granted, the hit me up on WhatsApp is, is the line, and... I, I, when I left the job in 2018, I actually tagged you in it and I said, as Adabag Kimfemo says, hit me up on WhatsApp and you retweeted it and you, you were straight in there. But like, it must have been tough. No, do you know, I, I'll say this, right? I, I think when you're in the game of football, and listen, you will know it to a degree. Football's very institutionalized. And there's certain aspects in football that my story is not new, so it's not like, ah, uh, you know, they'll say, leave, he's leaving, this is his last game. So the footballing gods will say he'll probably score or however it is, or it's like, so my story wasn't new. So it wasn't like, ah, uh, this is unheard of. What my thing was, and I think you, you get a sense of, you know what, you, I may not be here next season. I wasn't playing. I'm, so you kind of get that sense anyway. Then you then think, boy, what is better? What's, what's, the, what's the best? What would be the best scenario? The best scenario would be uh, win, leave when you've won. Mm. That, that's just got to be on the a best high. On a high. So that's what. Yeah. Leave, leave on a high. So after all that, it was. And listen, I'll also say this, right? The bond that the changing room gives you, you want to win. You, you, you want to go like that because that's all you see the moment. Then afterwards, then all of a sudden, like after Vegas and that, then you're like, I. Agent, where am I going? But that's the moment. And football, there's not, there's more lows than highs. So when you get a moment, but bask in that moment. And then it was afterwards. Then you're like, well, alright, what's what's what next? Yeah. You know, what's next? So yeah. bittersweet, wasn't it? I just remember thinking. But when I say bittersweet, I knew this is the crazy thing is, we had Accrington and we had Plymouth. For myself, Aki was a team I always scored against. Plymouth, we beat just before to secure the the playoffs. We knew. It's, I'm telling you, the crazy thing is, we knew we was getting promoted. So that side of it was already okay. You're leaving, and you're going to leave. But listen, of course, it's never 100. percent But that's what we felt. Ah, oh, man, this squad is too good. And if it wasn't going right, and because it went to it went to plan, I didn't start, and then we had the subs. We just had the squad. So whichever way it was, if we was a goal up, we'd be able to bring myself on or Addy on and we'll, we'll run at the game. If it was a goal down, we'll bring myself on, we'll bring Addy on and we'll go get a goal. It was literally where, it didn't matter what was thrown at us, we was at a point where, oh nah man, we was just, we was just going to get promoted. So when that Wembley, Wembley was, Wembley was everything. I won't even lie, man. I still, to this point, even though the Wickham one probably beat that, as in a feeling. But going to the championship. Going to the championship, that was it, but there was no fans. Yeah. So that wimp, that day was a complete day. The Wimbledon day was a complete day. Wombly. Um, we're going to come to fan questions in a moment because there are so many, but I'm going to nick one of the fan questions and I'm going to ask, what did you say to Callum Kennedy? 
you know, okay, so so I've, I've said this a few times and we actually met <laughs> up a couple of weeks ago and we discussed this. So what happens, right? The, when we made the playoffs, the last game, I can't remember who we played, but odds changed the whole team. So everybody that wasn't playing, he basically was started. And we had the young, I can't remember how bad he is, but we had the young boy that made, made his debut who scored. So he got the penalty and whoever is the senior. So uh, listen, let me just put this out there, right? Um, our, our penalty taker was Lyle Taylor mm. and our number two was George Franken. After, if them two wasn't on the pitch, it then falls to either hierarchy or whoever wants to take it. That's just, that would just be football. Anyway, so when we started the game and the young boy got the penalty, I remember saying, because I was, I think I captained the team that side, but if I didn't, I know I was the oldest on the pitch because I know Borman was, he was rested. So I remember Callum wanted to take it and I goes to Cal's, ah, oh, you know what? It's the young boy, let him take it. I goes to him, but I, the next penalty, you can take. That's what I said to him on that day. So anyway, cut to the final. Now Lyle's off and George is off. So I remember, if it's funny because I watched it the other day, when Addy got the pen, I, I couldn't catch Addy anyway, but I'm not even in shot. <laughs> I'm, the worst thing is I'm not, even in, I'm not even in the shot when he gets the penalty. So it's funny because when he gets the penalty, Addy goes to take the pen initially. So then I, I remember I'm walking up and then I'm thinking, Hold on. So, because um, Callum was also told he, was, he wasn't getting a contract as well. So we both knew mm. this was our last game. So I remember guys to Cal, I was like, hold on, Cal. Nah, man, listen, seniority, I'm going to take the pen. He goes, oh, but B, I want to take the pen. I goes, well, seniority, I'm going to take the pen. No Lyle, no George. So at first, I thought that was the end of it because that's what it was, no disrespect. Generally, because of I was the oldest, I'd think, I'd thought, listen, when I say it, he would just say, bless. But he didn't. So he's holding on to the ball. So I'm going to Cal, I'm going to Cal, Cal, cuz Cal, but I'm not, above. I'm the senior, but give me the ball. He was saying no. So then I was, so it's it's funny because we said it. Because Lyle was like, um, Cal, um sorry, Cal was like, but as long as I held the ball, then I've had something to say. Then you see um the Plymouth, I can't even remember, the Plymouth centre back. He punches the ball out of his... For no reason, I don't even know why. He punches the ball out of his hand. Say, so I see Cal's face. Cal, and he said it. He said, once you had the ball, it was a wrap. <laughs> but then after the time, I remember, and I, listen, we've got, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a, um, a video on my phone because we literally, in the changing room, Cal comes and says, I wanted to take it, but I wanted to win. Big up, rah, rah, rah. And we, we did this video. So I remember that's what it was. It was literally the fact that Cal wanted to take the penalty and I said, look, seniority wins and size as well. Size wins as well, I won't even front. So, but that's what it was. And I remember the keeper said, the keeper goes to me, oh, you better, you better not miss. He goes, you better not miss. And I remember saying, better not miss. I was like, I think this was plus nine. Is it, there's 101 minutes. I want to tell you, have you seen the ball, mate? No, literally, I've gone, but the game's done. I remember saying, this what gave me the confidence. I was like, the game's done. We've won, like before I took the pen. So then I remember him doing the, so I'd listen, I'd known at that point, I'd known that I'm going to score. And still now, it's still one of my favourite goals. I scored at Wembley. Let's 
get on to some fan questions. Dominic. There have been so many. Dominic. I mean, look, everyone's buzzing you're back here. So let's get straight into it. Great question from Joseph Fine, who has asked on Instagram, who are the two funniest players when you're at Wimbledon? Oh, you know what? Danny Borman had this dry sense of humour. Oh, my oh God. we know. Oh, he had this dry sense of humour. So he, he was slightly funny. But you know, the two that I like, like Pelly. Pelly was a funny brother. Like, Pelly was the only one that got close to me giving him a level five. Um, <laughs> for those that don't know what my level fives are, there was a ranked level. So if you disrespected or acted up, a level one was just a maybe a little shrug. Level two, maybe a left jab. Level three, you know, a left little uppercut. If you ever got to a level five, Oi, <laughs> anyway, Lyle got close as well, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Pelly was the one. And the worst thing with Pelly, Pelly wanted to feel a level five. This is how insane he was. He was just sitting there and be like, I want to feel what level five is, big man. I'd be like, Pelly, what's wrong with you? Well, don't look for my trouble. Just let me watch my anime. And he was just troublesome. He was supposed to. He was supposed to be co-hosting this, but he's uh, hiding. Yeah, because he, he knows. Because he would have. <laughs> he would have finally felt a level five. To be fair, um, and they can't find me. No weak rages now. So I would have let off. Um, but no, Pelly. And then Reevesy. Reevesy was funny as well. Really? So like Reevesy. So probably them two were the funny ones. One of the most common questions we've had is what you're lifting these days. But I'm old now, B. Listen, I don't go to the big hundred and. 85 or what was it what did, I, what did I reach 190 kg so be fair it's just maintenance now um i'm going into the acting world and so i'm not as try, i'm not trying to be as bulky because you know you've got to try and look slick on the uh, on the big screen you're so looking good i'm, try, I'm trying i'm trying to maintain good, i'm trying looking to maintain good. don't get the game twisted so i'm not going for big big weights but i'm still i'm still living in the lab I'm going to get through the funny ones first. Nick has asked, how many chickens does he estimate to have eaten in his lifetime? Oh, my days. I don't want the, the, the animal rights people to come <laughs> So let's just say a very modest couple. <laughs> you, you said that you're going into acting. Uh, great question from Honk Forth, who's asked, who do you want to play you in the Wimbledon movie? Oh, you know what? People may laugh, but I think Tyree should play me because I think I look like him. What are you laughing for, AP? <laughs> AP, what are you laughing for? <laughs> like, he's just laughing in my face. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna play yourself, man. <laughs> I, to be fair, you want to play myself. In Fenwa, as Adabarak in Fenwa. I will play myself, to be fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dennis has asked, what's your favourite Wimbledon goal? Uh, I've got a couple. Um, Wembley, because it's Wembley. Mm. Liverpool, because it's Liverpool. But you know what my favourite goal is? It's the. It was Exeter away. Um, and it's funny because I was given these blue boots and in training prior, it was, you know, sometimes, and maybe players will know, like everything he was, everything I was trying was coming off and I was saying it was to these boots. It was like, you know, the that basketball thing with um, Bow Wow, where it's like play like Mike. It was the boots. That, yeah. So I was like, oh, wow, these boots are making me do step overs and I was taking shots outside the box. So I remember go, I goes to Stu, um, Dougie, the, the physio. I goes, you know what? I'm going to score a banger tomorrow. You watch. And he just laughed. And then that was, we took a free kick. And that's where they put it on my chest. And then I nudged the defender out of the way. And that's when I smack it and it goes top in. So probably that is my favourite goal. Great goal. Um, James has asked, best strike partnership during your career and also whilst playing for Wimbledon? Okay, so best striker that I played with was Lee Trundle. Um, what a player. Mm, what insane. a player. Well, I, 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 to be fair, both on and off the pitch, I learned so much from him. Uh, but 
as a player, and it's funny because as I got older, I used to always get doubled up on. So I'd always used to get two players coming to me, which would then, of course, allow other players the space. He was the one who got doubled up. So I was always left 1v1 with a defender. So, and it's not arrogance. One, I was like, oh my days, this ain't as hard. I can only have to fight one person. And that's how good he was that they had to double up on him. So Trons was the best player that I played with in my career, best partner um, that I played with. And uh, for Wimbledon, it's Lau. Like, Lau is, and I said this, like, what, what he can do, you know, when, when he's on it, it's, and it's every type of goal he can score. And his footballing IQ is, is it, it's just real, it's up there. So, Lau, Lau, yeah, Lau's a problem. Hayden asked, if you could return to play lane for one more season, would you play for Wimbledon again? Would I play for Wimbledon again? Yeah. Oh, 100% if I could, but my knee wouldn't, so I won't even. But yeah, man, listen up. I'd, luckily for myself, I got to, to grace the pitch. Um, unlucky for Wimbledon, it was against them, man. Unlucky for them again, I scored, so don't hold no that, that, Well, that, that, that question's popped up. Oh, How did it feel scoring the goal that contributed to our relegation? You know, the maddest thing is, it's, it's never nice to, do, to score against former clubs. And that season, I scored home and away against... Uh, Wimbledon um, so it's never nice you know because especially when you've had fond memories and you still have an affiliation with the club and you never want them to do bad I'll always say all the clubs I played for um, if we was all in the same league I'd, whatever club I'm at I'd, we're winning I'm not even this and then everybody else can come second third and fourth so when you when you're at a club and the team you're former at you know, not doing well. It's never nice. But at the time, I won't even lie, I was going for, we were going for promotion and I knew it was my last season and we was trying to get into the playoffs. And for us at that time, it was a big goal. Both games, to be fair. Mm. And I think we drawed both games. Um, so it, it was a big goal. Um, so listen, it's never nice. Um, to be fair, I still got clapped off. Got booed while I was playing. So I ain't holding no <laughs> grudges. I ain't holding no grudges. Great, great question from L Manelson. Who's the most famous person in your contacts? Oh, the most famous person in my contacts. It's a great question. Eh? Uh, it depends. Uh, it depends. I'd say probably the two would be KSI and Andy Joshua. I'd say they're probably the two. They're the two KSI. Is Jurgen not in there? But I don't know. I, I actually think KSI and AJ is probably more famous than Klopp. Um, Didn't he phone you when they won the Premier League? Uh, well, he, didn't, he thought he sent me a message when um, when we got promoted. And then, listen, but forget being a Liverpool supporter and being biased. That person, Jurgen Klopp as a man, because there was something he did that was private, mm. that he did for me, um, and it was for somebody else as well. What he did, it was just exceptional. So, so that guy there, exceptional. Oh, and I do have his number as well. People, yeah. I don't want to name drop him, but I do have his number as well. But I just think, <laughs> you know, as sport people, AJ and KSI probably be the most famous. Uh, K1 Silver has asked, apart from football, what other sport are you good at? Great question. What other sport? Oh, listen, I'm, I'm good at basketball. And I just found out I'm good at baseball. I still hold the, the, the record for the most home runs at like some VR thing we did. Um... So yeah, they're the two. They're the, they're the two sports I like: basketball and baseball. A lot of people have been asking your thoughts on our current number ten, Ali Alhamdi, 
Um, I mean, you know him from Wickham. Yeah. You knew him as a, as a young pup. He's now a young pup that that's scoring goals yeah. and and it, and is finding assists. He's done ever so well here. But just give us your thoughts on on young Ali and the Ali you see today. Yeah, listen, there is, we could have all told you that give him a run of games and he would be a problem. He phoned me when the the, the deal was going to happen and asked me my thoughts. And you know, I, I won't sugarcoat it. I said you have to go. You know. For me, Wickham's, Wickham and Wimbledon, of course, because they were my last two clubs, um, and I've, there's just great memories there. And so when he said it was an option, I said, "Listen, uh, go and play football, because this thing that uh, this it's got nothing to do with proving others wrong. Go prove yourself right, and we can see in training." And I'll also say, "Listen, football's about opinions, and there was a lot of experienced strikers that was in front of him that wasn't allowing him to <clears throat> get the opportunity." Um, that he needed and give him a run of games and listen the player and the ability you lot are seeing now um, anybody that spent time with him you know off the pitch you know you'll just see that he's just a very 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 good guy um, very humble you know he wants to better himself he wants to learn um, there's no ego and the one thing I'd say with him he's um He's a, he's a he's a product of his experiences, so it's, there's no excuses. You know, it'll be like, look, I've got to knuckle down, and he always constantly wants to get better. So, look, you lot have got a good player. Um, you just got to try and hold on to it because <laughs> trust me, he's a problem. There's one last question. Jonathan uh, Royston Clare has, has sent us one on Instagram, and it's a really good question, and I want to answer it for you. Arthur. I'd hope you, you accept this. Oh. He's asked, if you could summarise your time with the Dons on the back of a postcard and you've only got room for one line, what would it say? And what I'd say is, for the strength of the pack is the wolf That's what it is. and the strength of the wolf is, is in the pack. pack. Yes! That's what it is. That, look, that is us. That summarises, and for those that don't know, now you know. That... That's what it is, man. It's a, it was a beautiful time. It was a beautiful story. Um, and yeah, man, good times. B, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I love, man. I really appreciate your time. The fact that you've come down on a, on a freezing cold Tuesday to come, uh, come and love, talk man. to us here at Plough Lane. Please don't be a stranger. Nah. Don't forget this is also home. Yeah, We'd yeah. love to have you back here. Um, but but thank you, Paul. Bye. Love always, man. Love always. Thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Adebayo Akinfenwa. Thanks for listening to the official AFC Wimbledon podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to get the latest episode the moment it drops. Come on, you dons.